Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the Book of Sirach, chapter 10, verse 12 through 18, the Book of Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 1 through 8, and verse 15 through 16, the Gospel according to Luke, chapter 14, verse 1 and 7 through 14, and Psalm 112. Open our minds, warm our hearts, but also bend our wills, for we seek to hear your word. Amen. Amen. Early this morning, I drank my coffee from a tiny white porcelain teacup. Its surface is adorned with gold-leafed birds and buildings. The landscape of a great faraway city with towering minarets and hidden underground baths. Bridges and boats stand out on its nearly translucent background. The teacup was a gift from a dinner party that I was invited to while studying in Istanbul a few years ago. If it sounds super fancy, it was. Piled high spices, colors undescribable, rosewater tea, spiced meats, heaping piles of baklava, and of course, Turkish delights. I know now why C.S. Lewis used them as an image of the most desirable thing on planet Earth. One night after visiting the whirling dervishes, our professor, Sayil Sayilhan, invited us to join him at dinner of a friend who he went to school with many years before. My professor, being a native of Turkey and a practitioner of Islam, invited us to dinner with him and his friends. When we arrived, all of the people gathered there were draped in fine clothing, beautiful linens and silks, even the little children dressed to the nines. And we showed up in khakis and t-shirts and bandanas that covered our heads from when we visited the mosques. We definitely looked out of place. And we watched as everyone sort of figured out where to sit. There were a couple of tables, and our teacher, the person who we saw as the distinguished guest, went to sit near the little son of our host at the edge of the table. We watched as they sat there together drinking out of crystal glasses and eating 
with silver spoons. We were welcomed as strangers, sojourners in a foreign land. Not only were we religiously different, but we all had a good laugh when they realized they were inviting a Greek priest into their Turkish home. It was one of the most beautiful nights that I will ever remember. And I'll never be able to pay them back for the hospitality they showed to us that night. In our gospel lesson for today, Jesus invites us to a dinner party that probably looked sort of similar to that. Spices piled high, colors and rosewater tea, spiced meats and heaping piles of baklava. We're invited to imagine ourselves there. In the first part of the lesson, as a guest. And in the second half, as the host. In each instance, Jesus giving us direction by parable of how we ought to behave at a wedding feast, at a dinner party. If you're just catching on, wedding feast is gospel code for the heavenly banquet. As guests in the parable, we are told to take a seat at the lowest place. If you've been to big family gatherings at Thanksgiving, this spot is marked kids' table. That's the spot for you, where it's loud and messy, and you're likely to have something thrown at you or spilled all over you. We are not, as Jesus says, to take our place at the head of the table. This is the spot right next to the mashed potatoes and gravy. That's not our spot, Jesus says, unless we are invited to sit there. It would be pretty bad if you went and sat at the head of the table and then were asked to go over and sit by that weird jello pudding thing that Aunt Mildred brought, because then you'd feel ashamed and disgraced. In the first part of this parable, we are there as the guest, and Jesus says to us, know your place and assume when you arrive that you are seated below the salt, as they say. For in assuming that our seat is at the kids' table, it may become possible for us to be invited to a lavish, beautiful, wonderful meal by the host themselves. This lesson reminding us that it is better to be humble than to be humbled. Better to be humble than to be humbled. 
I thought about inviting one of you to come up here and preach for us today in the spirit of the text. I won't do that to you. Now, as guests, we know where to sit. But then, all of a sudden, Jesus throws us another curveball. Because the second half of the parable today, Jesus invites us to imagine ourselves as the host of the dinner party. We're throwing a luncheon on our beautiful terrace. And before we can even finish that chapter in Emily Post, Jesus says, hold on a second. No need to lick those stamps because you are not to invite your friends or your siblings or your rich neighbors or the people you meet at the country club. Instead, I'd like for you to invite some of the people you may not be very well acquainted with. The poor, the crippled, the lame and the blind. A few years ago, I went to a Bible study in which I realized that perhaps my Episcopal open-minded interpretations of the gospel might sometimes be doing a disservice to the people I serve. Now, it wasn't a Redeemer Bible study, but it very well could have been. We were sitting there reading this lesson from Luke chapter 14, reading the Word of God where it says explicitly, when you give a luncheon or a dinner, do not invite your friends or family or rich neighbors, but instead invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, and the blind. And no joke, someone said, maybe this is one of those gospel lessons where it's like a metaphor. Like, we're not really supposed to invite those people to our luncheon. My friends, if I have ever, ever given you the impression that source criticism or biblical interpretation or metaphorical symbolism is the same thing as ignoring Jesus' words in the gospel, please tell me that I have failed you as a priest. I beg you, on this occasion, take Jesus' words quite literally. The next time you find yourself as host, invite those who are different from you. Invite a Democrat. Invite a Republican. Invite a single parent or a teenager whose parents put them out because of their sexual identity. Invite those into your lives 
who you may not be well acquainted with. Those who make you feel a little bit uncomfortable. For as some have said, Jesus comes to comfort the disturbed and disturb the comfortable. And though we may try to clean him up and dilute his word and make him seem not so radical or dirty or revolutionary, he was. Jesus didn't read Emily Post. He read the prophet Isaiah. And his message has not changed. He made it very clear that it is not enough for us to just love our friends or invite only those who look like us to dine with us. We are invited to invite others into places of dining, be it at home or out there in the world. Heck, you can invite people to this meal every week, and you don't even have to cook. We're invited to invite the kind of people who Jesus hung out with. I can see you all kind of wondering, is she serious? I'm serious. When you go out to lunch today, if you see someone sitting alone, invite them to come and eat with you. You will be amazed at what can happen when you share a meal with someone you didn't know before. What incredible blessings lie before you. And as our lesson from Hebrews reminds us, that when we do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, we often invite angels without knowing it. Give it a shot. What have you got to lose? You might feel uncomfortable. And if you feel this, you are probably doing it right. And if you just don't know how to make it happen, call me, I'll help you find a stranger to have dinner with. So Jesus has brought us to a first-century Palestinian dinner, and we've eaten our humble pie, and hopefully we have some idea of what humility looks like in the context of a meal. But what is really at the root of this word? What is at the root of humility? Humus. Human, knowing yourself and your relationship to your divine creator. I was always told that being human or being humble was about being modest, about avoiding arrogancy or being egotistical, putting yourself last and others first. And while some of those may be attributes 
we give to humility. True humility, like true religion, is deeper than this. The kind of humility that Jesus is talking about is about truly knowing yourself and about being true to that self and to the God who made you. Not to be confused with being the person that society wants you to be. I have found that children are amazingly well-skilled at this. First, because they are quite open and vulnerable. They cry when they're upset. They run to a parent when they need comfort. They tell it like it is, and they see the joy and at all the amazing little things that surround us in everyday life. Kids are rarely afraid to just be themselves. I was confronted with this reality last week when I was reading a bedtime story with my little boys. It's called Dream Animals. And it imagines this world where all your little stuffies come to life at night and they carry you off into your dreams. It's really beautiful. But one particular page stood out in the context of this lesson today. It says, perhaps a bear will carry you to meet peculiar friends who set their misfit table at a feast that never ends. How do we lose this? How do we lose these beautiful images that we learn in childhood? My littlest, Aristotle, pointed out that all the little creatures at the table around, they all look different from each other. All unique, all lovely, all sharing a meal together. Over time, we learn to grow up. And we are consciously or unconsciously crafting who we think we need to be in order to be invited, to be accepted, to be rewarded, admired, and welcomed. We learn to hide and bury the unacceptable parts of ourselves. We're told to put our best foot forward while we constantly measure ourselves against the people and images around us. If we're lucky, we have a couple people in our lives who see the ugly side of ourselves that childhood self that hurls our body to the ground and throws a big tantrum about how it's just not fair. Kids can teach us something about the gospel. They show us what it looks like to really know ourselves 
and to let others see us for who we truly are. Author Tim Mooney says that humility is achieved by living close to and being grounded in the truth of our being. This truth acknowledging that all we are, our strengths and our weaknesses, are all of ourselves, the areas in which we can grow and our personal limitations. Humility, then, and knowing yourself can become a lifelong balancing act between pride and self-deprecation. Pride being an overcompensation of the self and a word that shows up several times in our readings this morning. And on the other side, self-deprecation, which is an undercompensation of the self. Because the person who thinks they're better than everyone else is not being honest about their true self. And similarly, the person who's always saying, I'm no good, I'm not worthy, I can't do anything. Well, they don't know themselves either. You might not be all that in a bag of chips, but you're not stale Doritos. You're a good, wholesome meal. So invite others to join you in that. After years and years of family dinners, I have come to find that the kids' table is a great place of joy, a great place of learning and acceptance. And though you might have some crazy stuff thrown at you, or some things spilled in your lap that you didn't expect, it can be as beautiful as a lovely, lavish meal in a foreign country. Reading this lesson over and over again, I'm reminded that the good news of the gospel is that we're all there together. We are all invited to this dinner party. This wedding feast, this heavenly banquet, it's about being together in the presence of God. It's about knowing that before we can be at that table, we first have to learn some lessons about who we are, and we need to know our place as guest and our responsibility as host, so that we can come to share this meal with all of humanity, this heavenly banquet, which has been prepared from the foundation of the world. Amen.